0: In this episode of my podcast, Relentless Life on Your Terms, episode 17, I sit down with Michael Lane. Michael Lane is the Director of Australia for Success Resources. Success Resources is an event company and an education company that's been going for over 25 years and in Australia for around 10. And since it's been in Australia, it's turned over $1.33 billion. It's hosted names such as Donald Trump, Tony Robbins, Richard Branson, Gary Vee, Grand Cardone, Tom Brady, Robert Kiyosaki, just to mention a few. Michael talks about how he went over having over 500 events to practically not being able to run events and how he pivoted his business to go digital. This is an amazing episode for you entrepreneurs out there and we also talk about the commonalities that all great entrepreneurs and leaders have. Click the link below for the full episode. And welcome to my podcast, Relentless Life on Your Terms. I join us with a friend of mine, Mr. Michael Land, who's the Director of Success Resources Australia. Hi Michael.
1: Hey Chris, how you doing?
0: Very good, my friend. Thanks for being with us. Of course. Now, for those who don't know, which I don't know what planet they'll be living on, tell us a bit about Success Resources and what you actually do.
1: Yeah, look, Chris, we're in the business of changing people's lives through personal development and entrepreneurial education. We've been doing that for 26 years. Uh, prior to this current situation, we ran probably around 520 odd events last year with those themes of personal development, entrepreneurship, sales, leadership, those kind of things. And yeah, we, 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 we typically ran those events in 37 countries around the world. So, you know, we, uh, we're, we're passionate about educating, inspiring the next wave of amazing thinkers, doers and action takers.
0: Now I've been a client of yours for many years and I don't have to say that I'm a big fan of the product. I'm a big fan of educations and improving and you've been around some of the best people in the world. You've had the likes of Grant Cardone, Gary Vee, Tony Robbins. I remember many years ago, you even bought out the current president, Donald Trump, Richard Branson. I was sitting in front row, remember for that. You've had some pretty interesting characters on your show, haven't you? Oh,
1: well, um, in your business. We have, look. You know, we we partner with the world's best in their field and we look for people who are doing amazing things, have done amazing things, you know, whether they're entrepreneurial celebrities, uh, sporting athletes, uh, fashion designers, Hollywood, anyone who's got a story, a success journey, and it's not just talking about all their positives and all the wins, but we love to uncover when, when the shit was hitting the fan, just before that big thing went off, what was it like, you know, what, what what was the journey like and how did you get through that? So, yeah, we, we try and figure out who's got an amazing journey and, and who are those people who want to share that with the next wave of entrepreneurs. That's kind of where we've picked our, you know, our place in this market. And uh, I get to see, meet, and uh, have some amazing people on our stages.
0: And obviously I've mentioned that you've had Tom Billion recently, Mark Boris. What's the one key characteristic that a lot of these uh, great people have in common that you've dealt with? Cause you deal with on a very personal level
1: as well. Yeah. I think first and foremost, they're super passionate about what their niche is. Uh, you think about Tom Bilyeu, he was extremely passionate about finding a health product that would help not only his community, but his family. Uh, if you don't know the Tom Bilyeu story, in 2010, he created a Quest Nutrition Company. Six years later, exited that business and got a billion dollars cash exit for him and his business partners. But, you know, he, he was passionate about solving a problem. Same with Boris, same with Brady, same with Tony Robbins, same with Branson. They're all, you know, passionate, or I would say in most cases, they're all obsessed with finding a way to completely impact the planet with their product or service. That's a huge distinction from the everyday entrepreneur, is that they don't have that level of obsession that some of those other people do.
0: And I like, um, I love love fighting as you know, I love Conor McGregory says, I'm not talented, I'm just obsessed. And a lot of these people, it's their calling and you see they do some amazing things, but when you speak to them or the ones that I've spoken to, they kind of seem destined to do that because they're so passionate and driven. And when I've heard you speak in the past and I'm watching all your content, which is fantastic, by the way, you said before when you were younger in your career, you were driven towards obviously financial success, which most people were, but now you're just driven by education and what your purpose and your why is. And you've, as you said, you've done, I think it was 527 um, things at the moment where you've had people out, 500 across 36 countries, was
1: it, Michael? Yeah. So last year we ran 520 plus events in 37 countries, that's 10 a week somewhere. Um, Look, for me, I I was fortunate to taste financial success at the age of 24. I got a lot of the things out of my system that I always wanted, always desired to have. Um, It did leave me with wanting more, and that more was a, a more fulfilling, a more value around happiness. So for me, there's three stages of success. The first one is financial success. Only for you to figure out that it's got nothing to do with finances. The second level is happiness, where you get to a point and you go, holy shit, I'm truly happy with what I've got and who I am and what I get to do every day. The third step, and is probably the most iconic step that every person on their deathbed will share with you is, what's that legacy that you left? What was that thing that you did? It was never about, I wish I made more money. It was never about, you know, I wish I bought that car or had that thing. It's always about, what can I do to give back? I was fortunate to start working on my legacy component for the last four to five years, I get a much sen- a much greater sense of happiness and joy from seeing somebody else's life impacted, which creates happiness for them. You know, I started a charity fund 12 months ago and we've done some amazing things with that. I've just figured out that for me, uh, helping people identify their happiness, I get a greater feeling than any financial, anything like that. So. Yeah, I think that's you know, helped me. And if you look at a lot of the successful people on the planet, there is a blueprint they follow. And, they, and that legacy component comes in at some point. I just didn't want to wait until I'm on my deathbed or wait until I'm in my 50s or 60s to start focusing on that. That's why I'm obsessed about helping a billion people through education. So that's where I get my obsession from. And success always leaves clues, doesn't it? It always leaves <laughs> a
0: trail. It and, does, but, but so does failure. Of course, but failure. And what you mentioned before, what I think, and it's distinct with every great entrepreneur, you gotta go through a journey or a process. It's good to hear it, but you realize that because as you said, you tasted success early in your career. I'm, I'm currently 40, and I, and I kind of early f- was in the property market and tasted 20 years in the industry. And I guess as you get older, you start to value things differently and you start to um, approach things differently. Financial success is probably people's instant gratification. Something they're drawn to early, but as you get older and more mature, you want to think about leaving a legacy. I know you've got a few. You've got two children, too, haven't you, Michael? I do. And I've got four. And I know you start to think a lot more about what can I teach them and what can I leave them in terms of a legacy. And that doesn't just mean
1: financial, does it? No, definitely not. Do you mean? Um, again, I, I have had some financial success in my life, and. I've seen some of that creep into my son who's now eight, you know, he he gets to fly at the front end of the plane until he's old enough to sit at the back by himself. But again, there's lessons and experiences I want to teach him right now. He earns money every single week. He has a little side hustle. 25% of that is taxed if you ask me and it goes into a future thing for him to be able to do some stuff with down the track. So I'm not trying to buy him stuff. I'm trying to teach him stuff. And that's going to be my first legacy component. If I can positively impact my kids, what difference could I make in, in, in a greater sense? So we have a responsibility as entrepreneurs to help the next wave of entrepreneurs through. And if we can teach them that money is not the driver, um, the earlier they can experience that, the better.
0: And money's a byproduct of doing something well. I teach a similar thing to my son too. I give him a pocket money every week. And I actually said to him, I'll give you $20 more if you do it to my standard. If you do it less, I'm gonna give you 20 less. What would you take? $50, I give him, is 17. He said, I'll take 70. But I'm very strict because I read a study in Harvard. If you give your kids structure and certain things they need to do, they're more equipped to deal with life and because they have a structure. I also charge my son to live there. I put it in his bank account and I save it and I put in a managed fund. So as soon as it gets to enough, I'm gonna put it into real estate but I explained to them the importance no. of saving. And one thing that I instill in my kids, well, the other ones are six, sorry, seven, four, and three. With my son, a dollar saved is like $3 earned. So the importance of saving. And I learned that value mainly from the richest man in Babylon that I read many, many years ago and talks about how to pay yourself first and to compound your wealth. And I think if you teach your kids that, you're putting them at a real good foundation to
1: build some serious wealth. Absolutely, I think you know, entrepreneurs need to be able to uh, inspire the next generation. And, and entrepreneurship, just so we're clear, is it, it's a it's a blessing. It's a, you, you know, you've been blessed to have and understand the lessons and learnings. It's your duty to pass that on to the next generation. And that starts with your kids. And the worst thing you can do is buy your kids shit that they don't need and instill in them stuff that is not going to, you know, help them in the future. So I love that I give my son a taste of first class and then I'm going to take it absolutely away from him when he's 13 and he can sit up the back by himself because I want him to experience that, but then I want it to be taken off him and he won't experience first class again until he pays for it. So there's little ways and and, and I'm still learning. I'm a young father and I'm one of the areas that I'm delving deep into right now is who some amazing fathers who have done amazing things and raised... Their kids in a particular way. That's who I love learning from right now. So, you know, entrepreneurship, we you know, it's a blessing to be able to do and live the way we live, but it's your duty to hand on the keys to the next generation.
0: And it's what you teach them. I've only got two fundamental rules for my kids. And I number one is they treat everyone with respect and they've got great manners and they're respectful of every human being and treat them as equal. That's the first one. And number two, I don't care what they choose to do in their life as long as they do it with passion, they lead from their heart. Because that way they can do the right thing, they're focusing on working five, 10 hours isn't an issue, 15 hours isn't an issue. So as long as they're passionate about what they do, they can make a difference and they can help. And if you're passionate, we mentioned rewards and finance, that's always gonna be a byproduct of you being successful at what you do, having an impact. Now, speaking of impact, Michael, being in the event business like you are and have done so many events, how has this crazy time of the coronavirus affected someone like you, that you can't have gatherings, you can't have events? How have you pivoted into something like this, and how has that affected success resources?
1: Yeah, look, uh, Chris, it's had a huge impact on us. Um, you know, last year we did about just over $150 million in uh, in education and 500 events, 37 countries, some of the best talent on the planet. And now we can't run anything like that. But the biggest thing is, and the biggest thing I keep telling my team is, our business, we are never in the seminar business. We're in the business of changing people's lives. That hasn't changed, and it never will. We just now need to adapt and change that, so we're doing it digitally and in other ways. Um, so, you know, we've had to innovate pretty rapidly. Um, we had, and, and I don't mind sharing this, but we had a $17 million forecast month for April pre-corona. We ended up with 402 now, what I'm proud about is that's amazing. we went from zero to 4.02 in 30 days from a standstill start. And to be able to pull off a new arm of our business, which is a digital arm, and now we're delivering you know, some of the world's best speakers, we're doing summits. Um, this afternoon, we actually launched what we think will be the largest entrepreneurial conference on the planet, it just happens to be digital. I've got Tony Robbins. Uh, Richard Branson, Tom Brady, uh, Jay Shetty, uh, Sarah Blakely, I've got 13 of the world's best all coming together to help. And it's completely free. It's just to add value, right? So um, we're we're coming up with different ways to continue to fulfill our mission. And our mission had nothing to do with live events. It had everything to do with helping people change their life. Uh, We're being tested right now. Uh, I got very comfortable running a large seminar company and now we test my entrepreneurial ability i love this right i love that i've, I've cruised now when i look back uh, if you asked me back then i wasn't cruising but in this climate i was cruising for a decade because business was just so good but but chris we all know we've just finished the golden era of entrepreneurialism if you didn't make money in the last 10 years there was something wrong now is the time to see if i still hold that badge of entrepreneur in the next 12 24 months so I'm secretly, and I'm a little bit sick if you ask me, but I'm secretly really excited to see what what version of me shows up and, and how I perform through this because um, everything's changed.
0: For me, you know what? You said you hit the nail on the head, and I heard you speak about that. Who shows up every day at 9 o'clock? For me, nothing is more exciting than putting me in front of the most impossible odds, make it more challenging, make it hard, make it difficult, and I'm going to be there every day. As long as you put one step ahead of the other, and for me and I, th- I think I'm sick as well like you, but most entrepreneurs are. When you, when you put yourself through maximum pressure and stress, you'll see what someone's made of. When times are tough, I remember when the property market was going and everyone's making money, everyone's an expert. My boss used to say, Blind Freddy can make money. Where is it? Touch it, bite it, you'll make money. Now's the time you will see who can separate the correct information, the correct advice, and who will make money. I think now's the time you'll separate a lot of the, well, the the men from the boys or the entrepreneurs mm-hmm. from the wannabe entrepreneurs, I think, which is a big thing.
1: 100%.
0: So, um, for Success Resource, the turnover 4.2 from a zero standpoint, that's extremely impressive, so well done. Um, one of the things that I've seen, I, was, I had a meeting with you two weeks, I hope you don't mind me sharing, was me, you and Graham. Yeah. And you sat back, you were very quiet, calculated, and you were thinking. Now I know because I've spoken, you've put together about 500 independent deals and I could see you thinking at the back, you were so cool, calm and collected. When you're going to put a deal or when you're speaking to people, what are the tips you give people? I mean, you've done so many of them. What are the things that they, they need to look out for when, when putting a deal together?
1: Yeah, look, Chris, I've put, my, my whole life I've been putting deals together and to so your audience understand, I don't have a, I don't have a widget, I don't have a product, I don't have anything, All, everything I've created uh, which, by the way, is 15 companies, nine of which failed. Um, I have all, all, my whole business is built on me coming up with a creative idea and finding a joint venture partner, finding somebody who's going to help me scale the thought process or, or the ideas. So, um, yeah, look, there's, there's many ways to value a deal. There's many ways to, you know, to partner with somebody a couple of the key things that are most important is make sure you've got a product or service that you are passionate about delivering because it will get tough. And the only thing that's going to get you through that is you getting up every day and getting to hopefully a level of obsession. And before answering the rest of that question, I want to make sure the audience understand what I mean. I think first and foremost, you need to identify what you're passionate about. Um, there's many different types of passions. You need to figure out the one that's going to slowly move into a purpose that's bigger than you, that's bigger than your family, bigger than your community. And then you want to turn that purpose into an obsession. They're my three steps on what every deal maker, business owner, entrepreneur should be looking at. Um, so once you've identified that and you're passionate about something, and you're, you've turned into your purpose and now it's an obsession, it's easy to play the game because you've got to understand the rules of the game. Once you understand what you're obsessed about, a different person shows up every day. The person at 5.30 a.m. That, work, that wakes up obsessed is different to the person who wakes up at 5.30 who you know, has no inspiration. So once you've, once you've done that, you need to identify you know, who could be an amazing partner. And, and deal makers uh, have to find who can execute your idea as quick, as effectively, and cost-effectively as possible. So for me, my whole fundamental, Chris, and you and I have spoken about this at length, is I don't like taking 100% of any deal. I just don't want that kind of stress. I'd rather give the lion share away to two or three different parties who are going to go do the work, do the heavy lifting, so it can scale, so I can get on to the next deal. You can't do 550-plus deals and be stuck in the deal executing. So if you're an entrepreneur listening to this, first and foremost, are you a strategist or an executioner? because you need strategy and execution. For me, I've picked on strategy. If you are not strategy and you're execution, you need to align yourself with somebody who's got a great deal or a great uh, opportunity. But then you need to go and scale that side of yours. So, you know, Chris, there's so many nuances to a deal. Um, You know, whether you take a percentage of turnover, whether you take equity, I think there's a huge misconception about taking equity in deals. I think uh, it's, the, it's such a rare thing to see a company in a deal go and scale to a billion dollars and exit. So I think as a takeaway for many people listening to this, do some deals where you take a percentage of turnover. Keep the equity with the business owner or with the other partner. But you take a percentage of turnover. I think I shared recently on my, on my Instagram and LinkedIn, Kanye West took 11% paid quarterly on a $1.5 billion deal. He left 89% with the people who are gonna uh, produce it, distribute it, sell it, wholesale it, all that. He took 11% for strategy. And I think that's what people need to start to understand. You've changed my perception
0: on that, but if, if you get 50% equity of zero, it's still zero, isn't it? Getting something now, and I know you speak a lot about, I, I watch your things, as I said, I know you're a big fan of Jay-Z because of what he's done professionally as well. and. Out of the three people, I know you said you would have Jay-Z, Richard Branson, and the third one was, was it Gary V? No, I think it was, uh, was it Oprah? I think, no, I know they were the first two who were reading it, and I knew they were a big fan of them. And let me ask you, you've seen so many people, and you've seen the biggest names in the world. If I was to ask you, who could people look out for to be the next big person in the event space and why, who would you say? Because I'm curious to hear your opinion on that.
1: Yeah, look, Who's it's to not... Look out for? It's not a speaker. It's not a expert in the expertise world. It's the next Kanye West. It's the next uh, Billy Eilish. It's the next Gary V coming up, who's not a speaker but is just a killer communicator. It's an entrepreneur. Is that what you mean? It's it's anyone who's got attention and doing it at scale. So right now, as I just said, I've managed to convince Tom Brady to continue to do more stuff with us, right? So, um, he loved what we did back in 2013. We did an event, he had 10,000 people there with us in Boston, straight after him on the Super Bowl. And he wants to help give back. So, I I don't think it's the typical Tony Robbins. I don't think it's the typical, you know, Graham Holm. I think it's somebody who is just so left of center, who's created such success in their field who now wants to give back, who now wants to go, you know what, I've had my day in the sun. If I can get to that third component, which is legacy, and start leaving my legacy and giving back, they'll be the next superstar.
0: And I love what you, Jay Jay Shetty speaks a lot about this. I actually spoke about this on stage. Your your profit, you find, turns into your passion. Your passion becomes your purpose, the three Ps. Because obviously everything, and like we said before, everything's an evolution, it's a journey. You wanted to make money, now you wanna leave a legacy. But you don't know what you don't know until you actually get in there and give it a go. And a true entrepreneur, we're just gonna come hell high water, figure it out, which is, I think, why we're all, we're all attracted to each other because we're like magnets. We'll all find each other in the crowd. Now, something left field. A little birdie told me that Mr. Michael Lane likes gardening, is that true?
1: <laughs> yes I do.
0: I heard you become a bit of an expert in the garden in your recent times.
1: No, not an expert. Um like the self-proclaimed entrepreneurs and experts out there. No, I'm not an expert, but I do find it really soothing and relaxing. I love nothing more than going out, watering my front yard and my backyard for 15, 20 minutes a day, no phone, no nothing. And it's just so grounding for me. And uh, I've done a whole heap of planting out the front in the last you know, two, three weeks of being home. But yeah, I find it you know, it's a spiritual experience for me. I never thought I'd ever say this, Michael, but I've just started
0: getting into Eckhart Tolle because of my wife. So she's, I've been, I'm going through this spiritual journey as well. And last week, I ended up buying a 40 year old bonsai tree, which is wow. an amazing tree. And I have one on my desk as well because it calms me. So she's trying to get me to become, and I know Nick speaks a lot about earthing and energy and stuff. And what I thought before was maybe a bit, I don't know, if it's not my cup of tea, let's say. Now I'm really starting to embrace that sort of ideology of plants and earth and it makes me a lot calmer. So I can actually relate to that. One of my friends is he's always in the garden now and I go, I never pictured you being the garden. I used to make fun of him and now I'm buying plants as well.
1: Love it, good to hear that.
0: So um, one, one takeaway for all the entrepreneurs listening out there, for someone that obviously was predominantly in event space and was able to pivot a massive $17 million month and still do $4 million from zero, which... Hats off to is awesome. What would you say to
1: them? Look, um, the the only way that... uh, There's two ways that I I took it from 17 to zero back up to four, and that was I'm super passionate about delivering my message. And I think if, if you've heard from today, passion is going to be great. You need to turn into an obsession. Whatever it is you need to do, turn into an obsession. The second thing, the second reason I got to 4 million is... I have an amazing team that I can delegate my crazy ideas to. You know, if you don't have a team, you don't have a business. um, I really think you need to find ways and find people around you who can scale your ideas. The team Um, that can execute, though, especially. A team that can execute. hundred percent. So I think if you're listening to this, um, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you need to get out of the way of the revenue-making opportunity. Um, You need to delegate the revenue-making opportunities to a team who can scale it. I, I, most of my businesses that failed early, Chris, was me as the strategist and the executioner. And uh, it was only of a cap to how many hours I had, how many much time I had. As Soon as I got out of the way of the revenue generation, things started to flow for me. So find that obsession, find a team who can scale up, someone you can delegate it to, and then work tirelessly for the next 15 to 20 years, and I reckon you'll make it. You'll become an overnight success. That's it. So basically, too,
0: it's, I think it's, it hit the nail on the head. If you find your passion, like the second rule I give my kids, everything else will work out. Money will work itself out. Michael, as always, thank you very much for sharing everything with all of our audience. Love speaking to you and always sharing views. Speak to you soon. Stay safe. Thanks, Michael.
1: Thanks, Chris. Appreciate Bye. it. Bye.